0: stop this message could save you from investing your precious time into a true crime story that goes nowhere avoid that disappointment you need true crime feed podcast unlimited premium true crime curated for you find out about a female serial dater turned serial killer the truth about the dare program bizarre black markets political murder plots and a school for troubled teens so horrific it could be a Stephen King novel true crime feed sifts through the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. you know you want those thrill chills so come and get them subscribe to true crime feed that's true crime f-e-e-d wherever you get your podcasts
1: He didn't have a single enemy in fact he was consistently described as everybody's friend on one hand he was known as a quiet homebody who kept to himself on the other hand there wasn't a person he came across who didn't love their interaction with him but there was one night where that was challenged the young man was in a place where he was immediately seen as an outsider and he was surrounded by friends who continued to leave him throughout the night. By the time it was all said and done, the young man was gone forever. To this day, no one can provide any answers for his mother. This is the case of Alonzo Brooks. Alonzo was characterized as mild-mannered and good-humored. His amiable nature ensured that he had no enemies. Rather, he appeared to share a close and friendly rapport with just about everyone around him. At 23 years old, Alonzo was a homebody who found joy in spending quality time with his family, especially his younger cousins. During social occasions, he enjoyed watching sports and hanging out with his friends. Alonzo also held down a job as a custodian for his stepfather's janitorial company in Gardner, Kansas, Alonzo Brooks, affectionately known as the surprise baby among family members, was the youngest of five siblings. Born to a Mexican mother, Maria, and an African-American father, he was born a significant number of years later than his brothers and sisters. Maria, being a protective mother, was especially watchful over her youngest child due to the significant age gap between him and his older siblings. Alonzo grew up having an older brother and three older sisters. He and his siblings were raised in Kansas by their mother, Maria Ramirez. She recalled that, as he was growing up, he would get upset when his older siblings would go somewhere and he couldn't join them. His sister-in-law, Cindy Brooks, recalled that he and Maria had a tight and strong relationship. Alonzo's older sister, Demetria Leslie, recalled that he was shy but also kind, sweet, and playful. She echoed the sentiment that he got along with everyone he came across. His uncle, Edward Ramirez, recalled that he was polite to everyone as well. His sister, Felicia Brooks, remembered that he was obsessively neat and always liked to keep himself and his space as clean as possible. He always had to have his shorts and pants ironed and creased up. Alonzo's favorite color was red, so he was almost always wearing clothes that were red or black. He also always wore boots and a beanie. Alonzo's childhood friend, Rodney English, remembered that he always wore the beanie right above his eyelid. Alonzo grew up in Topeka, Kansas, where he and Rodney lived on the same street. The two friends spent a lot of time together, often riding their bikes and playing games with one another. Another favorite activity of theirs while growing up was football. Alonzo's brother, Billy Brooks, was in support of Alonzo getting into the sport as he felt it was his job to toughen him up. While their mother felt that Billy was making Alonzo grow up too fast, Billy assured her that he just wanted to make sure his little brother wouldn't get taken advantage of by others. Billy left their home in Topeka when he was 18. At around that same time, Alonzo and Maria moved to the suburb of Gardner, Kansas. It was there that Alonzo would endure what some view as misplaced trust. The 23-year-old was last seen at a house party on the night of April 3, 2004, in Lessene, Kansas. His friends were the ones who brought him to the party with the assurance that they would be driving him back home. Tragically, those same friends all peacefully returned to their homes without having any idea what happened to Alonzo that night. On the chilly Saturday of April 3rd, 2004, Alonzo told his mother that he was going to a party that night. He said that a friend of his was leaving to go into the military and that they were going to celebrate his last day and wish him well. His friend, Justin, was the one who came to pick him up that day. Justin did not recall if the party was planned out in advance or if it was a last-minute outing. He said that their friend group's activities were usually spur of the moment. Another friend, Daniel, recalled that someone had called him that day and asked him to come to the party saying that a bunch of their friends were going. A third friend, Tyler, recalled calling his friends and trying to figure out who was going to the party that night. The collective uncertainty amongst them all would suggest that this outing was indeed unplanned. Daniel did not remember Alonzo going to many of the same parties that he and his friends normally went to. In fact, Alonzo was a few years older than him. Alonzo's older brother was good friends with Daniel's brother, and they used to play a lot of different sports together. It was through their friendship that Alonzo became familiar with Daniel. Tyler first met Alonzo when they started playing football together on Sundays. He recalled that Alonzo was an intense person on the field. Justin said that he was a beast when playing football, but was also a great person to chat with and easy to get along with off the field as well. Before they left Alonzo's house, Justin remembered that Alonzo put on two pairs of socks and rolled one pair down to tie his boot tighter. One week prior, Alonzo hurt his ankle while playing basketball and was still feeling the effects of it. Those who saw him that night recalled that he was limping throughout the party. Along with his boots, he was wearing blue jeans, a t-shirt, a sweater, and a skull hat. He and Maria said goodbye, and he then left with Justin. The rest of the group left in their own separate vehicles. The party took place in La Cine, Just about 47 miles south of Gardner, the town was very small, with little more than a gas station and a few stores. After taking the hour-long drive to get there, both Justin and Alonzo arrived at the party. After getting out of the car, they had to walk up a long driveway to get to the house. When they got there, they both saw that there were a few people standing around the house looking at them. Alonso immediately made his presence known and began embracing the partygoers. Justin noticed that most of the people at the party were between 16 and 21 years old. They were also mostly white, making Alonso one of the few people of color attending the party. The party was lively and many activities were going on. Some were playing games like Flip Cup, while others were dancing. Alonzo tried to get involved with some of the card games and other drinking games. Overall, it appeared that he was having a good time. When Daniel arrived, he noticed that there were about 40 or 50 people there. About six or eight of them were from Gardner. However, he did not know a lot of the people there. Tyler noticed that many of the people there were more country type. He recalled that Alonzo, who was normally more quiet was outgoing and in a great mood that night. At some point during the night, Daniel and Alonzo took some shots together. Daniel walked away for a second, but when he turned around, he witnessed Alonzo getting into an argument with another partygoer. Fearing that the confrontation would become physical, Daniel intervened and pulled Alonzo to the side. Justin also noticed that some people at the party appeared to have a problem with Alonzo's appearance specifically his skin color. Although Alonzo was one of the only black people there that night, his friends recall that it didn't seem to bother him. After being at the party for about an hour and a half, Daniel got a call from a friend telling him about another party. Another friend, Nicky, decided that he wanted to leave and go to that party. Since he was Daniel's ride, Daniel left as well. Before leaving, He said goodbye to Alonzo and shook his hand. Tyler was there for about an hour before he left as well, at around 11 p.m. He shook Alonzo's hand, hugged him, and said goodbye to him. He figured that Justin would give Alonzo a ride home since he was the one who picked him up. While all of this was happening, Justin had smoked his last cigarette. He went to get one from Alonzo, but he was out as well. Justin left the party to get more cigarettes, agreeing to get Alonzo a pack. When he left, he made a wrong turn and ended up getting lost on some gravel roads. He ended up being 30 minutes north of the party. He called another friend who was at the party and told him to tell Alonzo that he was lost. They eventually agreed that their friend Adam give Alonzo a ride home. But at some point, the night concluded and all of the friends returned to their homes, safe and sound. All of them, except for one person. The next morning, Maria received a phone call from one of Alonzo's friends. He was asking if Alonzo was home. She believed that he was. However, when she went to his bedroom, she discovered that his bed had not been slept in. She started looking throughout the house, but could not find him. She told the caller that he was not home, and the caller suggested that he may have spent the night at a friend's house after the party. Maria did not believe this. She knew that her son would always come home no matter what. She began calling several of his friends to figure out where he was. Both Daniel and Tyler received calls asking about Alonzo. They knew something was wrong. Justin also received a call about him and said that he had last seen him at the party and believed that Adam was going to give him a ride home. Justin reached out to Adam and learned that Adam believed that Alonzo had already left the party, so he drove home without him. His close friend from Topeka, Rodney English, received a call from Maria asking about Alonzo. When he learned that Alonzo was not with his friends from the party, he knew that something was not right. Rodney drove to Gardner and met up with Alonzo's friends there. Justin directed him to the party house in Lacine. After they arrived there, they started looking around for any trace of Alonzo. Rodney walked out of the driveway and across the road. That is where he found Alonzo's hat and boot. His other boot was later found on a nearby creek bank. It did not appear that the items had been hidden Rodney believed that someone was driving down the driveway and threw the hat and boot out when they got to the road. After searching for a few minutes, a man on a four-wheeler arrived and told Alonzo's friends to leave. At that point, they were all certain that something was horribly wrong. Lacine, Kansas was perceived to be an all-white town. Alonzo's friends, who were white themselves, strongly believed that there was racism in the town. Rodney was unsettled by this admission for Alonzo's friends. If they knew that the town had racism, why wouldn't they ensure that their black friend was with them at all times? Rodney confronted Justin and asked him why he left the party without taking Alonzo with him. He claimed that Alonzo was having a good time and wouldn't have wanted to go with him. While he admits that there is some racism in the town, He expressed that he saw no signs of animosity towards Alonzo at the party. But Rodney still did not understand why he would leave him in a place that was an hour from his home. Maria went to the police station to report Alonzo missing. However, they told her that she had to wait 48 hours to declare him missing. She was adamant that something was wrong. She believed that something happened to him at the party. When Demetria learned that her brother was missing, she was also certain that something was wrong. She knew that he was not the type of person who stayed somewhere without telling his family. Felicia was also certain that something bad had happened to him. Billy received a frantic call from Maria later that night about Alonzo being missing. Early the next morning, Billy and his wife, Cindy, drove to Lescine. They got in touch with the owner of the house where the party was held. They discovered that the house was empty. It was apparently a rental house. When they arrived at the house in person, they noticed that there were fields on the right side and a small creek on the left. They then drove around the highways to see if they could spot anything. They also drove through town and noticed that people were looking at them, apparently wondering why they were there. After their initial search, Billy and Cindy went to the police station and had a meeting with the sheriff there. They tried to show them how serious it was that Alonzo had not turned up at all after the party had concluded. The sheriff did not seem concerned and said he was probably just out walking around. Cindy responded by asking how many people are out walking around with no shoes on. Billy and Cindy left soon after leaving it up to the police to do their investigation and find out what happened. Lynn County Sheriff Paul Fila was a deputy at the time of Alonzo's disappearance. On April 4th, he went to the home where the party was held. Alonzo was not in the house. He and other investigators walked along the creek bed that night and found no indication that he was outside anywhere. On April 7th, the case was turned over to the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. The sheriff's office officially became an assisting agency at that point. Within a few days of Alonzo's disappearance, there was an extensive search of the area. The KBI and their evidence recovery team came down and walked the creek bed, looking for evidence. The Kansas Highway Patrol also supplied a helicopter which was used to search the area. On April 10th, the FBI joined the investigation looking into the possibility that Alonzo was the victim of a hate crime. On April 12th, the Lee's Summit Underwater Rescue and dive team was brought in to search the creek. At the time, the creek water was three feet deep in the deepest part. They searched in and around the creek extensively, but found no trace of the 23-year-old. They agreed to come back if necessary, but they were never invited back again. Alonzo's family became upset by the lack of answers in his disappearance. Maria was especially upset by his friends who left him at the party. According to Sheriff Fuller, there were hundreds of interviews conducted both by the KBI and the FBI. Polygraph examinations were done as well. Justin recalled that they met with investigators almost every day during that period. The investigators told him that they suspected that Alonzo had gotten drunk, taken his shoes off, and tried to walk home. However, he and his friends did not believe that. They told investigators that it was not in his character, and he would not have been able to do so because of his ankle. As the days passed, Billy was certain that something bad had happened to Alonzo. Maria and other family members wanted to go to the farmhouse and search the surrounding area. The sheriffs told them that they weren't allowed to, because they were already looking for him in that area. Since the family couldn't physically search for Alonzo, they decided to continuously ask for updates in the case. Billy, in particular, called the Lynn County Sheriff's Department daily for three weeks straight. They eventually told him to stop contacting them. Finally, one month later, on May 1st, Alonzo's family was allowed to go to Lassen to search the area for him many of Alonzo's family and friends went there to help in the search. They split up and covered several different areas. His Uncle Edward walked along the creek bank on the east side of the house. Other search volunteers decided to search near a white shed. They kept at this search for a considerable amount of time before making a shocking discovery. As they were walking along and digging through the brush, they spotted Alonzo's body next to the creek, Billy immediately went to the area, trying to get to him, but Edward held him back so that he would not disrupt any possible evidence. One important aspect of this case to note is that the sheriff's investigators searched the creek before Alonzo's family was allowed to. How could they have possibly missed his body during their search? After Alonzo's body was found, the KBI-FBI and other investigators quickly descended on the scene. His body was removed to be taken for an autopsy. Dr. Eric Mitchell was the forensic pathologist who examined his body. He noted that the body was decomposed, clothed, and had personal items. He determined through an examination of the body and clothing that penetrating injuries did not cause his death. There was no evidence of any acute bone fracture, sharp force injury or a gunshot. Dr. Mitchell theorized that Alonzo could have drowned, but there were no specific anatomic signs to make a determination of drowning. He noted that he also could have been strangled. Unfortunately, the soft tissues of the neck were also gone, having been damaged by animals and insects. As a result, he could not determine if he had been strangled or not. There were no broken bones or penetration of bone, He felt that Alonzo could have been beaten, but there was nothing identifiable on the body to suggest that. Overall, he could not determine the cause of death based on the evidence at hand. Alonzo's cause and manner of death were both ruled undetermined. Billy does not believe that his brother's death was an accident. He believes that whatever happened to Alonzo was intentional. He points to the fact that Alonzo's boots and hat were found along the highway, far from where his body was found. Daniel also believes that foul play was involved. Although the specifics may not be the same, it appears that Alonzo's close friends and his family all believe that he was murdered. Alonzo's sister-in-law, Cindy Brooks, has reported seeing some theories about Alonzo's death on various blogs. Some of the theories included Alonzo's friends at the party set him up to be killed by drug dealers. He was picked up by someone on the highway who killed him. He was chased down the driveway and attacked by others at the party, or that he was kept in the trunk of a car. His friends believe that some of the rumors may actually be true. Justin reported hearing from some officers that there were fights at the party later that night, and he wondered if Alonzo may have been involved. Although the partygoers are considered possible suspects, Several people at the party lawyered up and did not take polygraph tests. According to some witnesses at the party, Alonzo was threatened by others at the party and called racial slurs. One witness reported that someone said that he won't get out of here alive. The FBI continued to investigate whether Alonzo was the victim of a hate crime. Sheriff's investigators were certain that his body was not in the creek when they initially searched it. Billy could not understand how a dive team, the Bureau, and cadaver dogs searched the creek and surrounding areas and did not find him. Meanwhile, his family searched and found him within 30 minutes. Members of the dive team noted that the creek level was low when they searched. They are certain that he would have been found if he had been there. Dr. Mitchell believes that the searchers could have simply missed Alonzo's body, as this has happened in other cases before. He suggests that the body could have floated down the creek when it had higher water levels after a rainstorm. He believes that the body became trapped in a clog of branches and other debris. However, Billy recalls that when his body was found, it did not look like it was bloated. Maria does not believe his body was in the water for a month because the personal items found with the body were not water-damaged. Billy along with other family members, believes that Alonzo's body was placed in the creek after the last search. He recalled that when he finally got permission to search the grounds, he told Sheriff Stites that the family was going to do a search. He believes that Stites may have told someone this, and that the information went around town through word of mouth. Then, the person who had the body decided to place it in the creek so that it would be found. Billy believes that Alonzo's body was placed in a meat locker or something similar. He believes that this was the reason why his body was not very decomposed. Several people online reported similar rumors. According to Dr. Mitchell, there is nothing that allows a medical examiner to know whether a body has been frozen. He notes that if the body is found while thawing, there are some microscopic changes that might suggest that it was previously frozen. However... If the body is decomposed, then these signs disappear. According to him, the evidence found on the body was consistent with him being in the creek for 30 days. Maria is certain that Alonzo's body was hidden before he was found. In March of 2019, the KBI released a statement regarding Alonzo's case. It reads... The KBI was one of the several law enforcement agencies who investigated the April 4th death of Alonzo Brooks. No evidence or information gained throughout the lengthy investigation indicated that Alonzo Brooks was the victim of a crime. For this reason, the investigation into his death was closed. However, in April of 2021, the FBI announced that as a result of a new autopsy, Alonzo's death was ruled a homicide. Injuries to his body were found to be inconsistent with normal patterns of decomposition. Alonzo's family and friends are haunted by his death. They believe that there is someone out there from the party that night who knows what happened. They hope that they will come forward with information that will lead to the case being solved. Until then, the murder of Alonzo Brooks remains a mystery.